One step closer to the NFL season. Two weeks from Thursday. Man, yeah. let's bleep and go. Insert the gifts, folks. Kevin Bowe and Chris <laughs> Presley back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. I don't know, man. The Pacers' thought of an ending to the season has got me really ready for the NFL. I'm just like, that was... Yeah. That sucked. And um, let's go. I mean... This is happening. The NFL is going to do this. And I don't know if it's me being at Lucas Oil yesterday, man, that has me a little bit amped up. But we are getting closer and closer. Roster cuts in 10 days as we record this. Season opener two weeks from Sunday for the Colts. Let's go. I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Yeah. (laughs) After that Pacer game or I guess towards the last couple minutes, Twitter was just like, on to football season. Dude. We're ready. Is it like, when's the fantasy football draft? Uh-huh. You know, when, okay, when, uh, yeah, Labor Day's later this year. When's that season opener? It was just, yeah, just a, a dud of all duds. We'll do a Pacers podcast at some point once Kevin Pritchard has a season-ending presser, um, which should be joyous. Um, but, yeah, we're back. A uh, couple quick notes to get to before the meat of the podcast. We'll obviously recap yesterday's session down at Lucas Oil, and I'll share some more camp tidbits so far we're, we're more than halfway through i think i'll only get to watch four more practices okay the rest of camp and then uh, we have a lot of twitter questions left over that i've gotten throughout the week as well but um beers with bowen mm-hmm. week from thursday yep september 3rd that is an eight o'clock tip for us and it will be youtube and our facebook page if i'm not mistaken I know for sure YouTube. I'd have to check on the Facebook, but we'll I think we'll... it's Facebook as well. But um, 1075 The Fan on YouTube, which seems to be the easiest one. Uh, we get tons of comments from there, interactive. We'll, we'll pull some of your comments and uh, we'll be previewing roster cuts, really, because it's 48 hours before those cuts are due. And then certainly um, share a little camp overview and preview the 2020 season game by game. So. Um, I'm looking forward to that. As and, am I. Um, am I missing any other specifics on beers with Bowen? No. Um, unfortunately, as of right now, it's not sponsored. Uh, it typically has been. So for the listeners out there, hey, I got a company card. Here I'll go, go to the liquor store. Send me some. Send me some thoughts on what kind of beers you want us to bring in, and we go. we'll mix it up a little bit. We will. Don't have to tell me twice about that. <laughs> so yeah, again, eight Eastern. Uh, I know we had a great turnout last time, and uh, hopefully we'll have the same. And I'd be interactive with you guys. And then, I for, do you have the, up that person's name who um, messaged us about the Fantasy Football League? I do. Give Find me. that for me, if you don't mind, because I want to make sure I'm giving proper credit to... This is from Eric. Eric. Eric, great idea here. He DM'd me about a week ago about a Fantasy Football League for listeners of Kevin's Corner. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, just kind of throwing it out there to gauge people's interest. Would they be interested? If so, tweet at me, tweet at Chris. Let us know your thoughts. Basically, what I'm thinking, if we have people interested, we'll um, we'll take kind of first come, first serve sort of thing. Chris can uh, have an invite and and send you guys emails, and you know we'll have a 12 person league. Maybe do a draft Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday after mm-hmm. Labor Day, right before that Texans Chiefs opener, and we'll have a little friendly league. So. It yeah. could be a fun thing to uh, to start this year. I, I don't think we've ever done that. I think I feel like Joey and I maybe were asked to do it, or maybe we did do it one time, but never, never like our own league. Yeah, 
for this. So uh, thank you to Eric for that, and that'll be fun. It will be fun. Uh, yeah, so let us know. I'll set the league up. We won't get too crazy. It won't no, be like we don't half need PPR be, this or, no, you know. We don't need a dynasty yet, and, you know, Chase McLaughlin gets 10 points for a whatever. Right. Off the upright, and, and yeah. Um, 12-person league, ESPN, I don't know. Yeah. Seem, seems easy. So uh, let us know if you guys have interest in that. Cool, and uh, camp this week. A lot of good things. You have a lot of good uh, content up on YouTube as well if you want to go check out Kevin's uh, daily um, updates for those. But so far, what are your thoughts on what you see on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, and, and you know, yesterday was probably the most competitive day I've seen so far. It's an off day. We're, we're recording this right around lunchtime on Tuesday. Um, but, yeah, yesterday the Colts were down at Lucas Oil. It felt somewhat normal. Mm-hmm. Um some piped-in crowd noise, roof open, jumbotron on, some music, stretching. I don't know what the song is they come out to. I, I can think of it, but hey, who knows what it is. Probably like uh, where the streets have no name or some U2 song. But anyways, they played that song coming out of the tunnel. I mean, it was 12-minute halftime. I mean, they tried to replicate yeah. yesterday. It was an away game was what Reich was trying to do. So they bust down to the stadium, things like that. Uh, we'll see Saturday they'll have another one, and that'll kind of wrap up our viewing of, of camp so far. Um, so, yeah, offensively, and I'll throw in kind of tidbits that I've seen from Lucas Oil versus the other days as well, and, of course, throw in the caveat, Chris, of these are the observations through six full pad of practice right. and all that. You know, something that stands out to me offensively, Phillip Rivers loves his running backs. Mm-hmm. Loves them. All of them. Um you know, Nick Sirianni said something this week of, I don't think there's a quarterback in NFL history that has liked to throw to their running backs more than Rivers. And, I mean, based off, you know, six days of watching him in, in person, I, I couldn't agree with that more. It's just, it's been a lot of checkdowns, to be honest with you. I, I selfishly wish he would test some things vertically a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, well, don't you want to do that you know, during camp? Isn't that like that the time to throw all the interceptions or to <laughs> test, you know, to, to, to get all that out of the way? Yeah. But... Uh, you know, he's trying to replicate game stuff and wants his running backs to be ready. And, I mean, Colts fans know full well that the Austin Eckler screen pass touchdown last year in the season opener really turned that game around. Yeah. So, um, Mac Taylor, who has had a couple drops, I do need to mention that. Naeem Hines, uh, very, very involved in the run game. You know, I think if you charted wide out tight end running backs, boy. Uh, wideouts might be third on that list. I mean, tight ends are probably third just because there's been some days where you've only had two of them practicing. They've been a banged-up group. But um, he loves to find them. And I still continue to see the qualities that we have seen last week that I mentioned, the quick, the decisiveness. I, I love his presence in the red zone. That's something that stood out to me. They've had a couple red zone periods where I just think – he knows where to go with the football. Um, his accuracy is really good in the red zone. And I'd say something that is different about him and Jacoby in the red zone, but I think also just in general, I don't see as many throwaways with Rivers. I think his dumps to running backs mm-hmm. are kind That's- of throwaways, which obviously they aren't. They're, you know, I don't know, three, five, nine-yard gains. If, you know, guys can break tackles. But they are just kind of safe, 
checkdowns of let's three yards on a cloud of dust sort of feel to the passing game. So um, I think that's something that stood out to me. You know, quarterback-wise, I wrote about it in yesterday's notebook, which, like Chris mentioned, we have daily video recaps from camp on our YouTube page, and we have daily notebook recaps on our website, 1075thefan.com. The most work Jacob Eason has gotten was yesterday. Yeah. It, it took about 90 minutes into practice. I'm like, it's halftime, and I'm like, Jacob Eason has taken a snap. <laughs> I'm like, you know, why are we here? <laughs> you right. know, I'm like, there's no preseason games. Like, isn't this what you want to see? And I get that it's difficult, and, and you want to get Rivers and, and Jacoby ready because they obviously mean a whole lot. But uh, Chad Kelly has probably gotten more third-team reps than Eason. So, finally, Eason got, I guess it was two series of work. He went five of nine, had two drops in there. The ball just it just comes out of his arm with the velocity and a fluidity that's just different, different than other quarterbacks. And he, his wideouts and pass catchers were creating very little to no separation. But yet I just felt like the ball was on target outside the numbers. I mean, we're talking he threw the ball a little bit more down the field than other guys did. Yeah. So I thought that was good to see, kind of his first extended work of camp. Even though Kelly, you know, has probably taken more snaps than him. To me, Chris, I don't think you can risk Jacob Eason going to waivers. Like you can protect him on the no, practice no, squad, no, yeah. But you still have to cut him initially. And I, I'm not, you know, no, I'm not playing around with that. No. Like Chad Kelly, okay, I'll expose him, and you know, if he clears it, okay, come on the practice squad, Chad. If not, all right, we didn't invest a fourth round pick in you. Um. So yeah, that's kind of quarterback wise. Running backs. Mac had a big day yesterday. I mean, big day. Saw that. It was um right after halftime. Right side, left side. It didn't matter. Huge holes. He broke Malik Hooker's ankles on one play. They did some live tackling. The most I've ever seen, really, in my ten years of covering camp. Mm-hmm. But they still aren't tackling like open field bringing down wideouts after catches, those sorts of things. So Matt got to the second level, and it was him and Hooker, and it was one plant, Malik's buckled, yeah, and Mac is gone. So it was reminiscent of the big day Taylor had last Tuesday. So a huge day for Marlon Mack yesterday. I don't see a lot of separation in those two guys right now in terms of consistency. Like I said, Taylor a couple drops. Mack is still the starter. They're going to rotate, but, you know, that's kind of what I've seen there. Yeah, I think there's no surprise. I saw a a retweet from Jim Irsay of NFL Network and Stacey Dales reporting about the offensive line for the Colts and talking to Joe Thomas and saying, like, every play you could just hear people yelling, hole, 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 and the the running back's just getting through. And, I mean, we're talking gaping, yeah, gaping holes. And I'll give credit to where credit's due. Raven Clark was in there. In the third quarter, Good. because Brain Smith was on a pitch count, and there were a couple of big plays to the right side. So it was interesting. Yesterday, I felt like the Colts' offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage in the run game. Mm-hmm. First unit against first unit. When the twos went in there, the defensive line, which has the more depth, mm-hmm. they whipped the backup offensive line. So I know that always has people maddening, like, oh, my God, what does this mean? Does this mean we have a good defensive line? Does this mean our offensive line sucks? Right. What does this mean? And then it's just like, yeah, 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 don't bash your head against the wall. Just get to September 13th, and let's let's move on. But um, I guess one more note on the offense before I hop over to the D. It's been a 
it's been pretty quiet for Michael Pittman. Um, yesterday didn't have a catch. I think 40 passes were completed in yesterday's practice. I think he was targeted once. Wow. So what does this mean? Well, you know, again, let me preface by saying we are a week into training camp. This I'm letting you know what I've seen so far. Frank Reich has said there's been some mental errors with Michael. There's also been times where he's caught balls in 11-on-11 sessions. And I feel like Pittman, until we see, like, the deep ball and the 50-50 catches and those sorts of, like, mossing type mm-hmm. plays that we saw in his USC film, it's going to be hard to really, really notice him. Yes, you see the frame, and like, and I don't mean it like physically. I mean it like statue wise. You know, Paris Campbell, as I've said before, he needs one or two touches, and he can be the player of the game. Michael Pittman probably needs five or six. Yeah, for you to truly say, oh wow, yeah, he did have those two big third down catches. So, you know, even though I felt like Pittman was going to have a chance to be pretty ready compared to most rookies. You know, 13 practices missed in the spring, that's 13 practices. I mean, that's a that's a big number. And um, I think that's kind of held him back a little bit there. So he's a guy I want to see a little bit more of in the next four days. You know, you, you heard at the USC practices, he he won every one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I think of a play in the red zone. When was this? Was this, I don't know, maybe Friday, last Friday's practice. Man coverage. Him and Rocky Seen isolated to one part of the field, inside the 10. I think it was a third down on the chain. I'm like, all right, here we go. Mm-hmm. Let's go. You know, this is why you simulate these things. And Rivers smartly throws it to him. Give your rookie a chance. Yeah, Test them. You have I mean, to. You, you, you have to do that. Pittman snares it, grabs it, and as he's going to secure it, Rocky Seen gets his hands in there and like the hand fighter Rock is and the former wrestler Rock is, Rock's able to jar that ball out, and that's the next step of you hear these strong hands from Pittman. There have been a few drops, and I do believe he has good hands. When you watch him, he looks like a natural catcher yes. of, of the football. But um, you got to finish. those. Pl- I mean, those are precious, precious plays in the red zone, and uh, you got to earn the trust of your quarterback as well. So that is just kind of a play that I've noticed of, there's been a lot of like, I like, I like, I like, oh, you know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like watching Victor Oladipo drive right now. It's like, oh, there's a burst. And then he gets in the lane. It's like, oh, wait, the basketball is no longer with him. Yes. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, we've got to dribble. <laughs> so um, that's kind of where I'm at right now with with Pittman. Patman, a couple nice days. Um, yeah, kind of running with the back end of the twos, I would say, if I had to guess. You're right, though. He he does look. He looks good in the uniform. Oh man, he does look good. Yeah, there's, there's. I mean, these rookies look good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got a few rookie notes, depth chart notes up on the website. Um, I guess defense wise, you know, Grover Stewart, I think has been really good. Um, it's hard to for those guys to be noticed, Chris, because he is so. Just you know, he plays defensive tackle, and it's just difficult to notice those guys, but. You forget if Grover Stewart goes down, this team doesn't have six four three thirty anywhere else on their roster. Let alone a guy that's, I think, one of your more important defensive players. We don't talk about enough. Um, what else? Tyquan Lewis continues to be a guy that's impressing, playing mostly interior. 
What a huge year for him. Yeah. I thought him and Ben Banigou yesterday. Banigou probably has made the biggest jump for me. You know, I talked about it in last week's podcast. Didn't love what I was seeing. Uh, something something changed. He, he's been off the edge, getting to the quarterback. Suffered an ankle injury yesterday. Frank Wright doesn't think it'll be serious. Little worried about Sheldon Day and Komoko Ture. We haven't seen them practice yet at all. And we, we've talked about Day. I, I definitely did it back in the spring. You know, I've got an affinity for him because he's the Indy native, played at Notre Dame. I mean, he can be a key rotational player. Oh, absolutely. But he's had a knee injury and just hasn't been out there. So that's opened the door for Rob Windsor, who I've noticed a little bit more, the rookie from Penn State. But Ture, we still haven't seen him practice. And this is just where I'm at right now. It's like, okay, the Colts will go four more days right here. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Sunday's off. That's two weeks from the season opener. Yes. If he doesn't go in this four-day segment, you know, we're talking about a guy that's missed 10 months. It's two weeks of practice, probably only one or two in full pads, enough to get him ready for week one. It's That's tough. That's where you're pushing things, you know, a little bit. So um, I'm a little bit concerned there. Corner group hasn't really been challenged too much. That's selfishly, I'd like to see, like, I haven't really noticed Xavier Rhodes. That's good, I think. Yeah. It means he's not getting torched and quarterbacks aren't finding him. But then I go back to what I said earlier about Rivers. It's just like I'd like to see a few more down the field, outside the number throws with him, just to challenge Rocky Scene a little bit more and, and Xavier Rhodes. So um, those are the things that stand out to me so far. Anything else from what you've read or what you've seen that that, that no, I think you have my, questions about? My main um my main wonder and focus was gonna be with that secondary right now, knowing so many people have opted out or or a couple have opted out, knowing that Kenny Moore is down. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. You know, TJ Carey's kind of been the main guy in the slot. Mm-hmm. Tavon Wilson, the new safety, I think will play a notable role. We know Matt Eberflus likes to rotate safeties, likes to play him in sub packages. So, but I'm still worried about that, and that that's why I go back to the Rhodes thing, Chris. Without Marvell Tell, Rhodes staying healthy, Rhodes being a great outside corner. Yeah, that's skyrocketed mm-hmm. on the importance list. I mean, Xavier Rhodes, he goes down or he sucks this year. Oh my gosh! Like Rocky Scene can't guard everybody. No. So who's your next outside corner? Lafayette Pitts. Travis Reed, I mean, those are guys that I could tell you they work security at Lucas Oil, and you would you would have believed me. Like you know, it's just you you just you don't know what you have at that outside group, which which I'm a little bit worried about. I guess lastly, before we go into Twitter questions, we do need to mention the old kicker battle, and uh, I continue to like the uh, the incumbent Chase McLaughlin mm-hmm. was eight for eight yesterday. Rodrigo was five of eight. I asked Frank Reich afterwards, does no, – no, actually, I don't think I did ask Frank Reich afterwards. Sorry. Uh, um, does this day matter a little bit more, you know? And he's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, these kicks are weighted a little bit more. It is like a game – Absolutely. A you know, game-like setting and whatnot. So, McLaughlin was really good. I mean, his makes just seemed to be down the middle, and Rodrigo had a couple of – So – I know there's been some days when the media hasn't been out there where it's kind of been flipped a little bit from what I've heard, but still, I think Chase McLaughlin's got the... Uh, but the media's seen Chase, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that matters. You know, you're trying to create some pressure-packed situations. I don't know. 
No, it yeah. does. I feel like they've done a good job, not only with the kicking battle, but even, you know, these padded practices, like you said, a road game feel, just trying to do everything that they can without having actual preseason games. Yeah. I would say yesterday's practice was the closest thing I've seen to an inner squad scrimmage. Stephen Holder called it like a spring game. Mm-hmm. Kind of felt like that. And you don't even get there for the amount of time. I mean, they put time on the clock, and they moved up and down the field, and it was as close to what I've seen of a preseason game, good on good, blue versus white, really in my 10 years covering training camps. So um, smart by Frank Reich. I mean, I still, you know, I was sitting next to Rick Venturi yesterday, and when Hooker gets shook in the field, he's kind of like, that's the pl- that's the play week one you worry about. That's what you haven't drilled. That's what you haven't done fully live. And, right. you know, Fournette or homeboy DJ Shark is in the open field week one, and it's just, do you know the angle? Do you know the speed of the game? Those things. Yes, instincts take over, but drilling it at least a little bit in August, could that help you out? in September as well. So um, that is probably the one hurdle that I'm always curious how other 32 NFL teams, how they treat this. I don't think there's much live tackling happening. No. But, yeah, when you've lost six straight season openers, I probably would be a little bit more pro to doing that, even though knowing I'm maybe risking a little injury. I hate that stat. <laughs> no, dude, there's, there's like two stats that I feel, feel like are just – there's three stats now I think about it that – are really ugly for Indiana pro sports teams right now. Pacers? Yes. Yeah, I mean, okay. Nine straight. You know the stat, stat of the plate, Pacers, that's really ugly, Chris. They haven't won a playoff series since 2014. 30 teams in the NBA. Assuming the Lakers close out this series, 20 of the 30 will have wanted at least one playoff series since the Pacers last won one. And we're talking two-thirds of the NBA. Yeah. There's some sorry-ass teams in the NBA. <laughs> That's not good for no. the Pacers to be on that list. No. Uh, the stats, Colts-wise, you just said it, six-season openers, and then you haven't beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014. That's the one. And, uh, you, hey, you can knock both those off the list. Yep. Week one. That's true. Two weeks from Sunday, baby. Finish the skid right there. Last I saw, Colts were a heavy favorite. I guess we should check back in on that at some point. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at that. Um, all right. Twitter questions? Yes, Twitter time, Twitter time, Twitter time. All right, this first one comes from Jaylee. This was actually a YouTube question. Oh, sometimes it can get a little negative on YouTube. It can. I'm glad we got a question here. Um, Thoughts on who gets, which mid-round pick gets an extension first, Grover or Anthony Walker? Uh, Grover. Grover means more to this football team. Yeah, and that's nothing nothing against Anthony Walker. It's just who means more. I mean, I just talked about it. Grover Stewart is a guy that, again, when you talk about unique body types in this team, Komoko Ture is unique to his other guys at his position. Paris Campbell is unique to the other wideouts at his position. Um, Grover Stewart would be atop that list of defensive tackle. And then the second part of this question is, which late round rookie makes an impact of any kind this year? Windsor, Rogers, Glasgow. Uh, that's a good one. Um, even though I've noticed Windsor and he's benefiting from the Sheldon Day mm-hmm. knee issue, I, I just will he get enough playing time? It might be Rogers. 
you know, we talk about finding an outside corner. I know he's more of a nickel, and he hasn't practiced since day one, unfortunately, since we've been out there. But he might be the guy. Patman, you know, Patman was always like a practice squad guy in my eyes. I still think that, but he's made a few more impressions mm-hmm. on me than uh, than I expected. Okay. Uh, just jump back real quick to the odds question that we had about the Colts and Jaguars. Colts are a seven-point favorite as of right now. Ooh, that's healthy, man. That's healthy. I'll say this, man. The Indy 500 was very good to Kevin Bowen from a gambling sense. Yeah? I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I don't think we did. Takuma Sato was plus 1,600 starting on the front row. I'm so dumb for never betting golf and b- racing because the payouts are so much better. The payouts are tremendous. Everyone's always plus. Payouts more, are more than likely. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, unless you're Justin Johnson, you have a seven-shot lead. But, yeah, it's uh, – boy, I was – I'm like, plus 1,600 for a defending champ or a, a past champion right. that's starting on the front row, and we know Marco's not going to last. I was like, oof. So, Taku, thank you. You were, were you one of the people that was like – a yellow. <laughs> I was literally like, red flag, call yeah. it. No, no. I'm like, no red flag. No, red. We don't need entertainment. It is yellow. It is a green, yellow, or a yellow checkered. Let's move I on. I got diapers to buy, damn it. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, we got preschool starting up here in a couple weeks. All right, this one's from Louisiana Guy. Hopes you and the family are well and staying safe. Same to you guys. I hear it's going to get ugly down there storm-wise. So. Yes, he's Definitely. a big fan of the podcast from Mansfield, Louisiana. What is your take on the one-year anniversary of Andrew Luck retiring yesterday and the fact that it was trending? Also, do you, let's start there. Yeah, uh, I'm not shocked by it. I mean, mm. it's a Monday morning in the sports world. I think, um, yeah, I mean, Andrew Luck was a tremendous talent. And, um, man, just using his name in the past tense still sounds so weird to me. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Surprised. I mean, I wrote something on it, posted up on the on the site. It was shocking. It was we, it was weird to be back in Lucas Oil, the one year anniversary of him mm-hmm. of him um, hanging it up. Philip Rivers' first time, you know, wearing the Colts uniform in there, one year later. So yeah, it's uh, no, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't surprised. I think it deserved mention. You know, it's kind of something you do. So uh, like, like I said, I think there are a lot of like dominoes of the what ifs. If Andrew Luck was still here, that's kind of what I got into in my article of how different things would look. But um, yeah. It didn't shock me at all that he was trending. Also, what do you think the possibility is that the Colts take a look at adding Earl Thomas? Oh, I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I mean, you know, from the sound of it, Chris, he's, you know, his behavior is, you know, potentially what my brother-in-law Ross Lovers could be behaving like on his bachelor party here <laughs> in about a week. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's not good. A great no. player. Tremendous player. But, I mean. Boy, I mean the Ravens were they were good with cutting ties with a with an incredible talent. So you've invested a lot of safety. If Chris Ballard all he preaches about is a locker room, locker room, locker room, I just don't see a sixteen day before the start of the regular season bring him into your building sort of thing. From Wes, with the news about Banigou, what is the likelihood of the Colts pulling the trigger on one of those remaining few defensive end free agents? I'm not overly optimistic on that. You know, Banigou, according to Frank Reich, after practice, they didn't seem like it was too severe. They ice his ankle, eventually got carted off. So, you know, hopefully it's a low ankle sprain. Mm-hmm. And he real, man, Chris, I wish you could have seen. He really came on yesterday at practice. Him and, him and Tyquan Lewis did what second-round picks should do to back up offensive linemen. And, Just, and, and hearing your reports and other Colts media reports, that's been so exciting for me to, to see. Huge. 
huge, you know, because we talked about it, about the defensive line group a few weeks back. You know, I on this podcast, I try to keep the main perspective on the here and now, but also one eye always towards the future. And there's so much unknown about the future of that defensive line group. You have the free agents and Stewart and Muhammad and Houston and Autry. Then you have those former second-round picks that haven't locked in, etched in stone themselves into a second contract. Ture, Lewis, Banigou. So you need guys to emerge with the Forrest Buckner yeah. for the next handful of years. Um, so Lewis, Frank Reich is gushing about him. I mean, you got to remember with, with Lewis, you know, Chris Bauer traded up for him. Chris Bauer doesn't do that very often. So, the, you know, he thought something was there with him. But Banigou, much better. Now, it did come, a few of those rushes came against the Raven Clark, which isn't ideal, but still. Um, I think, you know, Chris is going to ride this out. As long as it's not season ending or anything, it doesn't sound like that, you know. I think you kind of stick with what you got. They've, they've been banged up on the defensive line. You know, Autry's missed a couple days, Buckner, Houston. So, um, I still think this is what they'll what they'll roll with. And people who like Easter eggs, remember Kevin's last answer when you're watching Beers with Bowen here in a couple weeks. Ooh. Ooh. That was good there, Chris Presley. You're on your game on this Tuesday. Flo wants to know, uh, been reading reports on Eason getting very little reps and that Chad Kelly has been getting the third string work. Wouldn't it be smarter to at least let Eason get those reps, especially with no preseason games? He needs as much development opportunities as possible. We already have a backup in Jacoby and the Colts have made it obvious that Chad Kelly isn't the long-term answer. Why stunt Eason's potential growth by giving the opportunity to Kelly? You know, Flo, I disagree with n- with nothing that you just said there. Um, it's weird. Like, you feel like, you know, are they trying to light a fire under Eason? It's just, it's kind of like a weird little dichotomy that the Colts have with this situation of the comments they made after the draft treating him like he was a seventh round pick you know oh he's just got to make the roster it's like no 90 percent of your fourth round picks make the make the roster yeah. like come on now let alone a quarterback um I, I'd be throwing Eason in there all the time and I'd be freaking throwing the football not handing off to Bruce Anderson I mean sorry to Bruce Anderson and his family but I, I'm good like you know I, I guess maybe you're evaluating some of the offensive linemen up there and run drills but without the preseason reps I just think it's so damn valuable for Easton to get as much work as he can um, he admitted that this NFL game is faster for him you know he's he just he needs to be in those settings as much as possible so what have you seen from shotgun to under center reps? It's a good question. Um, definitely a mix. And I well, Washington they, they were pretty open. I mean, he didn't come from like straight up spread systems. Like he didn't come from like a Texas Tech. Yeah. So I'm not. I, I'm a little worried about that, but not like as worried as other people. Okay. Footwork is something that he's mentioned that, that he needs to work on. Which you know, footwork obviously is huge based off you know taking under center or um or being in the shotgun. Now I. I will say this, I think Chad Kelly has been slightly more productive with the third-team offense than Eason has, and a lot of factors play into that. We've watched Philip Walker and Chad Kelly quarterback third-team offenses in the preseason before. And, and Chad Kelly's still very young, very young. Yes. I, mean, he's, I don't think he's over 25. So it's a little weird, but um, I'd probably be giving a few more reps to Eason. That's just me. Tanner hopes all is well and that Rosie isn't growing up too fast. Ah, thank you, Tanner. She is not. (laughs) 
He wants your thoughts on how big the tight ends are going to be this year. He imagines Doyle will have another year, but he has a funny feeling that Moe or Burton could be huge for the Colts and possibly a dark horse to earn a Pro Bowl spot. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think now I think Rosie Bow is up to, I believe, 11 pounds, 7 ounces. So um, I think that's good combine weight to get her ready for daycare starting here in a couple weeks. You can feel she, it in the arms after yeah, holding oh, for too can, long. Trust me, man. I got, <laughs> I got back issues for days. Uh, okay, tight end position. Yes. Dude, I think Trey Burton's going to be big. I probably should have mentioned him earlier. Um, unique role. When, when people first see him in a Colts uniform, they're going to go, that dude's a tight end. He wears number 80. That kind of throws you off. And he's a he's smaller than Michael Pittman. I mean, he's shorter, and yeah. he like, weighs like 230. So he just looks like a big wideout or like a thicker wideout. But, man, there's been some nice red zone work from him. And, you know, if healthy, I mean, Chicago gave him a huge deal two years ago, four years, and I don't know, something significant. So if healthy, which, you know, that is in, you know, bold font, there's something to work with there. So I think he'll be heavily involved. And Frank Reich doesn't hold back in talking about Mo Alley-Cox. We saw Mo Alley come off the pup list a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Had a really good practice on Sunday, I think it was. And, you know, Frank calls him such a physically dominating presence. I mean, he is I – mean, he dwarfs Trey Burton. He is 6'5 and two, nearly 270. It's a big boy. Yes, it is. Big boy. And um, route running has gotten better, according to Reich. I've always thought that's kind of where you just worry about him as a, I think, rebounder, blocker with him more than I think fluid catcher of the football um, route running thrown in there. But Reich feels like that's improved a whole lot. But, I mean, certainly, even last year when Ebron Doyle and, and Allie Cox were all healthy, Mo would play a ton. So they're going to they're gonna be on the field. For a good amount. Doyle's been out for probably about a week now with a neck injury. Um, the Colts don't feel like it's overly serious. So, yeah, Burton, unique. Awesome. N- 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 nice little chess piece. Alex wants to know, aside from the offensive line, because he feels it's too easy, which position group is best fit to withstand a COVID breakout and which is least ready if a breakout occurs? Well, breakout sounds harsh. Um, I hear breakout, and I think that's like five to ten players. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 yeah, I guess multiple players. I Linebacker, I think has pretty good depth. Running back as well. No, I mean, running back, you can't have more than about one player get out of there. So, uh, yeah, that's who I would be, um, which is least ready, probably corner. You know, go back to what I said about Xavier Rhodes earlier. The long outside corner depth worries me. And even the same thing should be said. You know, I have I've noticed, you know, decent work from TJ Carey. I guess there have been a few catches out of the slot, but I mean, Kenny Moore to TJ Carey is quite a drop off. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I another position that I would point to if you're not going to let me pick a line. So you've already talked about Brent's question a little bit earlier um, in regards to he wants your assessment of Michael Pittman Jr.'s performance on Monday's practice at Lucas Oil, but he's also wondering. Is he going to make the leap to be a game one starter? You know, I, I think with these running, with these wideouts, excuse me, two, three, and four are going to be rotated a lot. You know, I think I've said this before on the podcast. Hilton, I expect him to play 90% of the offensive snaps. 90-ish, probably north of that. Any given week, Pascal, Campbell, Pittman, 
30 to 60% of the snaps. Like, it could it could fluctuate. If you're running the ball more, it's probably a little bit more. But, like, Pascal still, you always look up, and they're like, oh, yeah, there's number 14 of the starting offense. Yeah, it's just kind of always a reminder of, like, okay, he didn't have a whole lot of catches today, but this staff clearly trusts him, yep. clearly values him. So I'm not expecting instant seven-play, you know, seven-catch, 95-yard day from Michael Pittman, 93% of the snaps. No, I'm not expecting that from day one, but uh, those three guys I expect to be rotating in quite a bit. Colts fan and Cincy, do you think Rivers is taking more shots down the field or what he believes you've called hero throws because he hasn't had much experience with the offense and he's testing their limits and abilities? Well, I mean, to be, I don't think he's taking enough shots down the field. I mean, I know he's been picked off a couple times. Maybe that's what this is in reference to, but good. I mean, like, this is training camp. This is you on the driving range. Test everything out. It's a practice round. Get it all out of the way. This is your, you know, close scrimmage against, you know, IU against Marquette at Banker's Life Fieldhouse before the season starts. Like, this is trial and error stuff. So I want to see more shots down the field. I haven't seen as much. But, you know, after 16, 17 years, we kind of know what Philip Rivers is. <laughs> like, he's going to take some shots. Yes. And he's also going to be really accurate at times and get the ball out quick and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, there's been a couple of hero balls. I'd like to see a few more of them. To be honest, I, 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 you know, it's confidence for his wideouts. It's trust of, okay, I feel like Paris Campbell can give me that, you know. Oh, boy, wow, T.Y. really separates late in a route down the field, like those sorts mm-hmm. of throws. Um, you know, we, we've seen some nice corner routes, some deep out, you know, Hilton kind of his go-to route. But um, down the field vertically, man, I can't think of many. Campbell, ball got picked off by Odom. Yeah, I can't think of any that's traveled like north of 20 yards in the air, to be no. honest with you. Steven's wondering about the back end of the drafted rookies and how they're doing, specifically Patman, Pinter, Windsor, and especially Rodgers because he feels that with Kenny Moore out, Rodgers could be getting a lot of reps. Yeah, well, it's been TJ Carey um, because Rodgers has been out himself. You know, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, Steven. You know, I would say with Windsor, I, I just noticed a quick first step. I do. And I like it. And, boy, he's got a motor. You know, he's yeah. got a little crazy to him. Um, Danny Pittner, um So, right now, I'd say Raven Clark's your top tackle backup. I'd probably say Jake Eldrenkamp is your top interior. But but Pinter's right there as well. I mean, he's played some guard early on. Now he's kind of playing mostly center with the second unit. Um you know, I, I'm curious about who's that six offensive lineman. You know, they kind of do that jumbo stuff at times. Yep. Is it Pinter? I mean, he's a guy that played tight end and right tackle in college. So True. it's kind of like, is that is that something where you look into of he's been the inline guy out on the outside as well. So, um, yeah. That, that's And, again, I got that rookie article up on the site, Stephen. I, I mentioned a few undrafted names in there as well. This is from Wake Spike. I know that they are trying to bring more excitement to the stadium. But why do they keep changing the slogan? The most recent for the shoe hasn't gotten anyone that he knows clamoring to buy new gear. It's also suspiciously suspiciously close to a former puncher's slogan, hinting at McAfee's for the brand. Mm. Why do they keep changing the slogan? Also, why not let the fans give some input via a vote? Yeah, for the shoe isn't getting the crowd going. Is that not? I thought it's been for the shoe for a while. I've never been a big slogan guy. Yeah, I'll be honest with you, Chris. I'm not up to um, 
whatever on the old marketing knowledge per se. Um, I say that, and then on Saturdays it's all Rocky Top, but that's different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rocky Top certainly established itself from a brand Because, yeah, it was 12th yeah. man, and then did they get in a dispute with either the Forged, was it that? Oh, yeah, 12th man. The like Seahawks Texas or A&M, A&M yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah, I remember Colts Forge, build the monster. I don't. I feel like if you win, then the slogan sounds good. If you don't, the slogan sucks. Yeah, that's just kind of how I always look at it. Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's. Um, I've always thought Lucas Oil is one of the quieter stadiums in the NFL. It is. That's just kind of what what I go off of. Of you know, third down, it's it's a bit library like for me, but that's just my opinion on it. I've certainly been to much much louder stadiums around the league and. I don't know why they keep changing it, man. They they brought in some marketing, um, what do you call it, consultant consultant mm-hmm. group, and who the hell knows? I feel like you have an in-house marketing department to do that. But, yeah, Wake, I don't know. I always found it tough, especially, like, NBA playoffs. I'm like, you're, so your marketing team every year has to come up with a new cliche. Right? Blue collar, bold swagger. Yeah, it's not, like not built or what? Not bought, built. Or whatever yeah, the, hell the Raiders was. did it right. Just win, baby. Just, just win, like baby. there. Yeah, there's your like, slogan. Just win. I mean, the Pacers had to be happy this year. It's like, oh yeah, we already have those beat the heat signs. We can just pull those back out <laughs> right. for the Eastern Conference Finals. Unfortunately, Kev Dustin saw Ursay's tweet about Fountain. Does he look like he could make a decent impact on the team? I must have missed it, Dustin. Um, I rarely see Jim Irsay tweeting about individual players. Um, I believe he, it was a retweet from gotcha. the Colts in-house staff. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Um, Irsay was there yesterday. I think he's been pretty cooped up during quarantine, mm-hmm. rightfully. So, given some um, some health issues. Um, you know, Fountain, Chris, I'd say a couple nice plays in individual sessions. I think he had a really nice catch for him from um, from Jacoby the other day. You know, Fountain ha- has admitted that that ankle thing was a that was a big deal. He had three surgeries wow. for that ankle. He got hurt last year, and I want to say like six or seven screws, a couple plates. I mean, that was not your you know little ankle sprain and rice rest ice compression elevation. I think maybe. Yes. God, I sound like a better athlete than I ever was. <laughs> um. Or I just sound like I was injured a lot and just faked injuries. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a couple moments for Fountain. But, again, you know, I think he's admitted, like, physically he was still a little worried coming into camp of, like, where am I at? But then in the back of his mind being like, I've got to go out there or yeah. else I'm not making this football team. And it goes back to the question that I did ask Reich earlier this week about the guys that have put NFL game film on a resume. They're going to have a leg up, right? Isn't there a, 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 a value of trust? that you're going to gravitate towards with these roster cuts more so than not. And Reich was like, yeah, no, that's right. We're going to try and give the rookies mm-hmm. chances, or in this case, Fountain. You know, he's rookie-like in his lack of playing time. But still, you know, there just comes a there comes a point, and it's probably more with Reich in the room than Ballard, but when you're making roster cuts and you're thinking, again, back to that, oh, my gosh, can I trust that guy? in week one season opener when we've got to get off to a good start. You know, you're going to trust Marcus Johnson's been hurt for a week and a half here in the camp, but it's like, I just watched Marcus Johnson go get a hundred against Tampa last year. You know, unfortunately Reese Fountain hasn't done anything. Yep. So that's what I worry about with Fountain, but um, certainly not have the camp that he had last year. 
not even close. But uh, physically, I, I just think that you worry about him a little bit. Maybe practice squad him. Works for me. Blopa's question is in regards did you to see the- Eric Swope get signed by the 49ers? I did not. Yeah, Swope. Yeah, I just saw that pop up. Um, good for him. Always oh, a nice guy. That's great. Yeah, I mean, out there, I mean, hell, if you make the team, right? You know, Shanahan's <laughs> going to involve the tight ends and Garoppolo and whatnot. So, yeah, good to see Eric Swolt back. Another guy that's kind of battled the injuries. I wonder if it has to do a uh, Jalen Hurd, their wide receiver tight end out of Tennessee, then Baylor went down again. So I wonder if that was yeah what to get, freed him up. Get a little gat. Well, yeah, try to get a little tight end that certainly has caught touchdowns in this league before. So, right. Yeah, health really hurt Swolt. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. Lopa's questions on the defensive side of the ball. Houston Lopa. Houston played at Kansas City as an outside linebacker in their 34 scheme. Last year he had to change team and scheme. Now master scheme plus Buckner through the middle. Um, he thinks he could be spectacular for him. Um, thinks it's going to have fewer snaps but higher quality. What are your thoughts? Well, it's an interesting question, Blopa. Um, I mean, Justin Houston is just, He's wired in the right way that the Colts want. That's another dude that I'm just like, um, yeah, I'm kind of afraid of you. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah, Justin Houston, you can, you know, yeah, you could beat the shit out of me. But a lot of a lot of people could. <laughs> um, I want to see a few more hurries from him. As I just tell him that he could beat me off. Now I'm trying to say that I want what I want to see more from him. You know, it, it's uh, last season. You know, he gets double digit sacks. Plays in all 16 games. First time he had done that in 24, since 2014. So that was huge, huge for him. Um, you know, what will third downs look like? I expect him to still be on the field. Does he slide inside a little bit more? You know, Houston is a very opponent-driven rusher. You know, they are very keen and probably whoever the weakest, and I literally mean weakest like how much you can lift, your physically weakest offensive lineman you're probably going to see Justin Houston opposite you on third down. That's how the Colts kind of rolled last season. Of, mm-hmm. This dude can freaking rush with power, and we're going to go with that. So, you know, I, I honestly, if you get 10 sacks in 16 games on Justin Houston or 11 sacks or whatever he had last year, I mean, where do I sign? Yep. Like, immediately. So, Blopa, I, I, I hear you out. Um. But I don't think that much of a jump. I mean, this is still a 31-year-old pass rusher that has suffered some injuries and a hell of a bit of a neck ailment earlier in camp. So um, I'm not I'm not going to go too crazy high on it. But Our, consistency with the hurries, Chris, yes. I think is the key. Like, if he can have more consistent rushes and only seven and a half sacks, I'd sign up for that. Just because I think that can be more disruptive on a down-in, down-out, series-in, series-out basis. That's fair. All right, some over-unders from Ryan this Ooh, week. We haven't had these in a while. What do we got? We got a couple. So, All right, let's go. Do we have a lot? Rapid fire? Rap, Maybe you just throw rap, them at me and we, and we go quick. Yep. T.Y., 1,000 receiving yards. Over. Campbell, 800 receiving yards. Just slightly under. That's probably more of a health answer there. Pittman, 600 yards. Slightly under. Doyle, 700 yards. Under. Mack, 1,000 yards. Over. Taylor, 600 yards. Over. Okay. Yeah. 
Probably a little bit more of a run focus there. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're making like over-unders on some of those guys, the Campbell-Pittman Campbell -Pittman Doyle are probably just a hair too high for over-unders there. Sporadic regularity with the question. How many wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs do you expect Wright to keep on the roster for week one? Is it possible that we go with six wide receivers, six wide receivers, three tight ends, three running backs? And then this follow-up question is, how is the Canadian offensive tackle Carter O'Dan O'Donnell doing so far? Yeah, O'Donnell's been with kind of the second team, right tackle. Uh, but, I mean, Clark obviously would be that if Braden Smith was healthy. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe makes the 53. Like I said earlier, Clark and Eldrin Camp, those are your depth guys, and Pinter as well, of course. But, yeah, I'm not holding my breath on this O-line depth. Although Clark's had a, a, you know, a couple more consistent moments. Okay, so six wideouts he wants to go with. I think that's doable. Um, I did a 53-man roster projection right before the start of camp. And, boy, I, I'm pretty sure I had – let me pull that up. Let me pull that up. Um, I think I had six wideouts. Okay, got it. Six wideouts, three tight ends. I had four running backs and one fullback. Yep. I mean, that's, that's a lot. So, yeah, I, I think it's definitely doable. Yeah, the key thing for six wideouts is just what are you going to get out of the back end of that group? Because I don't think one person has really emerged. You know, like coming into camp, I kind of mentioned four names. You had the four locks, Hilton, Campbell, Pascal, Pittman. Then I thought four guys for two spots. Chad Williams I thought was creeping in there, and then he gets hurt, so now he's waved injured. So now it's Patman, Fountain, Ashton Doolin, Marcus Johnson. Well, Marcus Johnson's been hurt. Fountain, want a little more. Patman, probably a little more. And Doolin just looks like a guy that is strictly, if he's going to make the team, it's only going to be for special teams. So it's just like, yeah. I see someone kind of give a little stranglehold there on that. But special teams will be huge for that. I, I don't know if six wideouts is a must, to be honest with you. And honestly, they three tight ends is a very low number for the Colts. But they've been so banged up at tight end. There's been days where they've only had two guys practicing. Mm-hmm. At, at tight end, Ian Bunting who got hurt, he had um, he had a nice day. I get they just claimed some tight end from Hard Knocks. Do you see that? Some Chargers guy. Really? I wonder I, if it's the one who cussed at uh, Lynn. Yeah. Yeah. He so told I started rewatch. I started watching it this weekend. After he told we him it was like the us. biggest mistake. Yeah. He walked in. And was like, "Are you effing kidding me?" Yeah. And Lynn's like, "I kind of like that." I, at first, in my head, I'm like, "That's him." I'm That's like, "This guy." Gu I'm like, "This guy's not getting a job back with the Chargers." And then Lynn walks in and was like. I kind of like that fire, so yeah. if we want to bring him back, I'm good with it. I was like, okay, clearly I don't know the that's just, how coaches work. That's such football guy. God, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. Injected into my veins. Right. Yeah, he's here, so we'll see if he yells at Frank Reich. Okay. Uh, Jorge wants to know which team is the favorite to win the AFC South, if not the Colts, why? You know, I'd probably have to look up Vegas odds in this, Jorge. I would say Colts-Titans are really close together. Really close together. And, and the Texans would be knocking on that door. That would be my opinion on it. Um, yeah, I mean, I bet win over under. I bet it's Colts-Titans like 9.5. Texans probably 8.5. I mean, I don't know, maybe even 9 or maybe, I don't know. Those three teams are really close. So right now you got the Colts plus 120, Titans plus 175, Texans plus 325 and Jaguars plus 2,000. Mm. 
I just laid 50 bucks on the Saints to win the Super Bowl on FanDuel. They had a promo where if um, FanDuel should be sponsoring this podcast, um, you get $5 for every win the team has. Okay. But you had to bet at least $50 on them to win the Super Bowl. So it was 50 to win 600. I'm thinking now. Thinking like 12, 12 wins or so. Yeah, I mean, hell, 10 or 11 wins, I pretty much break even. And then the Saints are due, aren't they? I don't know. The, Soon. The Chiefs and the Ravens were the heavy favorites. San Francisco, too. I just didn't. Their odds weren't as enticing to me. So I guess I'm cheering for the Saints this year. <laughs> this is kind of a follow-up from Steve. He also wants to know about the AFC South. He wants a future cast here. Colts win the AFC South because of these four things. What are they? Four? Four things. Wow, that's a good one, Steve. Uh, all right, Colts-related. Phillip Rivers looks like his 2018 self, not his 2019 self. Mm-hmm. DeForest Buckner's an all-pro. Kind of a quiet camp so far for Buckner. He's back practicing, but again, defensive tackles. can kind of be quiet. Um, had a tackle for loss yesterday, I did notice. And I guess non-Colts related, um, Deshaun Watson get hurt. I know it sounds ruthless, but that would help. And uh, Tannehill and Derrick Henry come back to earth. Those four things. Valid. Sign it up. AFC South, home game, unless they're going bubble. (laughs) Yeah, that's true too. From John, based on how training camp has gone so far, do you feel more comfortable with Campbell or Pittman as the number two option this year? Um... Was this the fourth and four? Yeah, you want to finish the... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And so then it follows it up with, let's say hypothetically, we are fourth and four and overtime on our own 43-yard line. Who are you drawing the play up for? See, I'd answer totally different for that one than I would the first one. If I'm playing fantasy football, I'm drafting Campbell. If I'm fourth and four and overtime on our own 43, I'm throwing it to Pittman. That's kind of his game, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah, fantasy, I would take... Uh, I take Campbell. Rick wants to hear your thoughts on the how the D line shakes out based on Lewis playing well to the start the camp and the inevitable return of Ture. Yeah, I feel pretty confident of this starting lineup of a Buckner Stewart pairing at defensive tackle, Houston Autry at end, and I might put Autry slash Al Qadim Muhammad. I th- I think Muhammad's a guy that we should not forget about on the early downs. Now, uh, okay, he says inevitable return of Ture. Okay, you hope week one. Um, if that's the case, I'd probably take Stewart off the field, bring Ture on. I'd either kick Autry inside on third down, or honestly, I'd put Tyquan Lewis maybe on the field on third down. Put him in the interior. You could get creative, though. You can, uh, I mean, Banigou could rush. Um, I mean, where's Sheldon Day at health-wise? Mm-hmm. So... You can get pretty cre- – and, and, like, they're going to play in waves. Like, there's going to be – you know, even Buckner doesn't play more than 80% of the snaps. So, you're going to rotate a lot. It's the third down packages that I'm really curious to see what you do there. I think Buckner, Houston, and Ture are definites. Yeah. How do you handle that fourth spot? Do you give it to a linebacker? What about Walker, Okariki, and Leonard with the three defensive linemen and then you go six DBs? Mm-hmm. Intriguing. Yeah, there's going to be a lot they could potentially do on yeah, that yeah. side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Zachary was looking at the schedule. Obviously, he feels the Colts have a favorable first half of the season. What are your odds that the Colts start 7-0 and this season? 7-0? and Yeah. 
8%. Will you rattle off the first seven? I mean, it is. So, Jaguars? You know how hard it is to go 7 I understand, but... You could play the, the freaking Browns seven straight games. It's difficult. I could see 6-1. and one. Um, Jaguars? 6-1 ain't 7-0. Vikings? Actually, more like 5-2. and two. Give me ats and homes. Okay. Week one, Colts are on the road at Jacksonville. Week two, Colts are at home against the Vikings and then at home against the Jets. Then they go on the road against the Bears. Week four, week five, they're at Cleveland. Week six, back home against the Bengals. Week seven, head on the road to take on the Lions. They got a bye thrown in there, don't they, too? Uh, Let's see, October 4th, 18th. uh, Yes, between, I believe, the Bengals and the Lions game, there is a bye. Yeah, because then that's when it starts a brutal stretch after that. Um, yeah, I mean, seriously, I mean, probably, I don't know, 5 to 10%. Like, <laughs> you could face any, the Saints, the Chiefs could have that schedule, and the odds makers in the NFL would still place it at, like, 30%, 20%. Like, it's just not, NFL teams going 7-0, and just, it doesn't happen. I To pick a game out there that they would lose, Minnesota would still worry me. Like, do home and away matter this year, I guess? That's a fair, you know, statement. That's true like, too. Does it really matter that much? Um, at Chicago, I mean, that's a defense that still has a whole lot of talent. Uh, I mean, will the Browns ever get it figured out? I, I don't know. Probably not. At Detroit, I mean, Stafford looked great last year when he was healthy. Totally different team when he's healthy. So, yeah, Zachary, I just can't. Uh, do they have a favorable first half? Yes. Do I think five and two should be? Is attainable should be the goal? Yes. But 7-0? Yeah. I'll bet with your money, not mine. Coffee wants to know, although it's early, any positive impressions from the undrafted players? Yeah, Coffee, check out that rookie story that I did. Uh, Farrard Green, the tight end out of Mississippi State. Just, man, it's like they almost run him into the ground. He's been the only healthy one, it seems like. He's been out there a lot. Travis Reed, the big corner I mentioned, I've noticed a few times. Um, who else? I mean, Blankenship, I guess. Donald Rutledge, kind of a big safety. That's really it. Cardo O'Donnell, I guess a little bit, but yeah, I haven't, um, yeah, I I haven't noticed too many of those guys. Five more here. Jordan wants to know, could you see Justin Houston rushing up the middle? With Buckner and then having Ture and Banigou coming off the edge feels like that's an interesting four on third down. Yeah, Jordan, I'm I'm intrigued and I'm and I agree. Um, you know, I'm a nerd. Watching how teams handle third down always fascinates me. So I'll be watching that. You know, Leonard's goal. You know, Leonard is a guy that I think you throw in as a blitzer, which is just so interesting how you use Leonard. You know, when mm-hmm. you face the running quarterback, so you want him to spy. You know, what about a running back out of the backfield on a third down? Or he had a great pass deflection the other day on Rivers, and it, was, it just seemed like one of those plays where Rivers like, damn, he's long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not used to that. Right. So uh, Leonard rattled off his goals. I know we've talked about him before. 200 tackles, 10 sacks, 10 picks, 20 tackles for loss. I mean, it's like the creative player that I've yes. made that's seven foot nine and four hundred pounds and runs four three. You know, it's just uh, 
Yeah, it's it's something that I'm going to be again fascinated to see how they utilize him on third downs. But um, yeah, Houston up the middle, Buckner, Ture, Banigu. Okay, okay, yeah. Drew wants to know: Has there been any talk to scheduling Jacoby for a mid-year start to keep Rivers' arm fresh for a deep postseason run? Is that a serious question? Read that. Read. Read that one more time. Has there been any talk to reschedule or to schedule Jacoby for a mid mid year start to keep Rivers' arm fresh for a deep postseason run? Man, I, no, that twenty five million better keep your arm fresh. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Drew. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's a joke. I hope. I mean, do we have load management for quarterbacks and their arms? I mean, what? What? what no. No. Jason wants to know at the end of the season, which ranks higher, our offense or our defense? I think offense. Uh huh. I got a question earlier today. I was filling in for Jeff Ricker on a morning show. Someone asked me if with COVID, do you think offense or defenses will have the advantage? He thought defense, this fan, Drew, I believe was his name, not the Drew that just asked this question. Um, but, um, you know, he pretty much said, I think defense, they fly around more. It's instinctual. You just kind of play with, you know, your hair on fire or whatnot. But I worry about the live tackling. I don't know. Maybe the hooker breaking the ankle for Max mm-hmm. stands out too much to me, but that's what I worry about a little bit. Yeah, I, I think offense. Yeah. Your bread and, bro- bread and butter is a run game. You haven't lost anybody. You added a fullback. I assume Roosevelt Knicks will make the team, but I can't. Did I see any Roosevelt Knicks snaps yesterday in practice? I should, um, I should, uh, I need to ask Frank Reich about that. Sorry. I'm all no, you're good. Here. Two more. This is from Josh. Are fans going to be allowed in the stadium this year? If so, how many? If not, how will they, the refunds be issued? Yeah. What are we, I think we're at 25% at the oil drum. Yep. Did anybody call it that? I, I'm sure people do. I don't, I I call it Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. Okay, so what? That's about 16000 in there. I'd check with the Colts on that, Josh, again. Marketing, ticketing. I I, I try to focus. I really am kind of locked in on the team. Last I saw was like four-game packages. I think it was split up. It was like a yeah package A or package one, B. And you were in Green Bay and the other. Those e, games mm-hmm. were split up. And I believe it's a credit towards next year's season tickets i think i think i heard someone telling me that it was what you're saying the packages the credits and then obviously like most companies would would do in smaller writing it was or you could get your money back oh really they they would prefer that you pick a pick a package or get some credit back and not necessarily just not have your season tickets yeah interesting um yeah, Josh. So yeah, that, those are the updates there. If I hear anything more, I'll certainly tweet it out and and, and let you know. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what this fan situation looks like. All right, the spoken word has a random question for this week's podcast. Oh boy, it's a good a good one to end on then. Which Colt could play in the MLB? I'm assuming this would. Okay. Yeah. MLB. Yeah. Yeah. I who would that. you want to make baseball. a diving catch? Or the game winning out, and okay. who could hit a grand slam? Wow, um, I, I'd want Kenny Moore in the outfield, 
or, or Hooker. You know, we always kind of call mm-hmm. Hooker the center fielder. Yep. So, yeah, those two dudes in the outfield, I'm covering a lot of ground. So those guys are going to dive and make catches for me. Uh, in the cage or in the uh, – in, in at a bat, uh, you know, I saw that video of Leonard swinging it the other day. I didn't realize that Donovan Mitchell was a big baseball player and didn't play a lot of basketball growing up. That's oh, like yeah. why a lot of people, you know, say he's just kind of growing into his stardom. Yeah, he's got a he's got a good arm. I'm pretty sure when he went to Louisville, he was good friends with a lot of the baseball players and even like would play when he could, not yeah. necessarily in games, but yeah, practice yeah, yeah. when he could. God, I miss baseball. Um playing baseball, <laughs> not like the sport on TV, although the Reds suck. I was going to say that's a that's already a Reds yeah, <laughs> perspective. I know. Yeah, I didn't mean it like that, although it came out like that. Um I, I Leonard, I saw a video of him swinging the bat in the cage. I'm going to go with him. Okay. Hit a grand slam. I think Leonard's just a twitchy. Mm-hmm. It seems like he's just such a, I don't know, stick and ball sport's a lot different. But, uh, yeah, I'll go with him. Okay. Well, that's all the Twitter questions for this week, cool. Kev. Um, I'm thinking Monday for the next pod. Like I said, Colts go four days in a row. Um, I'll, I'll check with Chris and uh, get to a Monday pod and, Man, now that I think about it, that might be the final pod until roster cuts. I mean, we, we, we're 10 days away, 11 days away from roster cuts. So um, if I have any updates, I'll probably just tell them on Beers of Bowen. Okay. So let, let, let's do that tentatively again. Monday, final pod. Thursday, we'll have Beers with Bowen. That's September 3rd, 8 o'clock. Mark it in the calendars. Again, virtual YouTube and I believe our Facebook page as well. You got anything else? No, yeah, so just a reminder, hit us up with uh, more questions on YouTube. Continue to uh, let me know what kind of beers you want me to bring to Beers with Bowen, and then yes. also let us know if you have any interest in the Fantasy Football League. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that, that covers everything. So, uh, awesome. He's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. If you guys have any questions, you, you know where to find me, 107.5 The Fan for your latest. Everybody have a great week.